Thank you for joining me for today's Beast Watch News Update. News from the Internet's most comprehensive Bible prophecy news website, BeastWatchNews.com. I'm Kimberly Rogers Brown. Israel attacked Iran inside Syria this past weekend, then proceeded to threaten President Bashar al-Assad. And I have an update on future blood moons that I think you will find very interesting and a perspective on what I now call the wars of the Antichrists. But first, breaking Israel news says the Antichrist will be revealed at Purim this year. Breaking Israel News disclosed this week that the Jewish Messiah will be revealed between Purim and the Israeli elections. Rabbi Kaim Kanivsky, one of the most prominent rabbis of this generation, made a shocking statement claiming that the Messiah will precede the upcoming Israeli elections. You know, last week I said I thought they might trot out the anti-Messiah for the elections. This is so exciting I can hardly contain myself. Rabbis noted that the writing is on the wall and the signs that the process leading up to the Messiah has already begun for those who have the eyes to see it. Rabbi Yakutiel Fish, an expert in Kabbalah, gave a lesson this past week in which he discussed how the Messiah was imminent. Rabbi Fish cited Rabbi Kaim Kanivsky, one of the most prominent Haredi rabbis of this generation, who began foretelling the arrival of the Messiah just a few years ago. It is written that in the days leading up to the Messiah, Tzadikim, or righteous men, will begin to announce his arrival, but some people, those who have not prepared for his arrival, will laugh at the righteous and the learned, Rabbi Fish said, warning that it is forbidden to mock the righteous. You got it. The Jewish leaders believe they are the righteous. This is because they still won't hear Yeshua's words that they are the blind leading the blind, according to Matthew 15:14. Fish emphasized that Kanevsky was especially suited for presaging the arrival of the Messiah. Does this mean that Kanevsky is the false prophet? I am, as everyone else, not sure who that will be at this time. However, from the na- next statement, you can see how they make the connection. Not only is Rabbi Kanevsky one of the most learned and righteous Jews alive today, there is another indication of his connection to the Moshiach, Rabbi Kanevsky's full given name is Shmaryahu Yosef Kaim ben Miriam. They reject Mary in the New Testament, but in order to appeal to Christians who are looking for someone from Mary or Miriam in Hebrew, they are trotting out this guy as the modern day forerunner prophet, making him the equivalent of John the Baptist in modern times. But, that isn't all. Rabbi Fish noted that first the first letters of each of Rabbi Kanevsky's Hebrew names can be rearranged to spell 
Moshiach. So now, the Messiah's name is hidden from everyone unless you know the secret of rearranging letters. This is called an anagram, which is an art of the occult. Oh yeah, the Freemasons are the root of today's occult. Hmm, make the connection, please. Rabbi Fish related a story that is just now being told within Haredi circles in Israel. A young Torah scholar from outside of Israel was hosted for the Sabbath a few weeks ago at the house of a follower of Rabbi Konevsky. The young man visited Konevsky during the Sabbath. He asked the rabbi if he should apply for Israeli citizenship in order to vote for the Haredi party in the Israeli elections being held on April 9th. There is no need, Rabbi Knievsky answered. The Messiah will already be here before the elections. Emphasis mine. The implication is, of course that the revelation of the Messiah will stop the elections. The young man was unsure that he had heard the rabbi correctly, so after he departed from the house, he asked Konevsky's grandson, a venerated rabbi in his own right, to confirm the answer. The grandson entered the rabbi's chamber and asked again, should the young man apply for citizenship before the elections? Rabbi Konevsky responded, I already told him that there is no need. The Messiah will be here before the elections. This means the Jewish Messiah will be revealed in time for Passover, and Passover is when the Great Tribulation will start. Expect chaos to ensue after the Jewish Messiah slash Antichrist appears. Rabbi emphasized the need for Rabbi Konevsky to make such statements. He said people need to act in practical manners to prepare for the Messiah, not just speak about it, Rabbi Fish told Breaking Israel News. Rabbi Konevsky is calling for all religious Jews and all Jews in general to come together to show unity, not just for the Israeli elections or national interests. Our ultimate goal as a nation is to bring the Messiah, and we need to be united to actually love one another to do this. Rabbi Pincus Winston, an expert on Jewish sources concerning the Messiah, normally eschews predictions of the Messiah's arrival based on a precise date, but notes that such a statement made by a scholar and righteous Jew of Rabbi Konevsky's stature needed to be related to in a different manner. He says, You should know that Jews who live in a Messiah awareness take these predictions seriously, Rabbi Winston told Breaking Israel News. Makes me wonder why everybody's talking only to Breaking Israel News. Oh, yeah, Breaking Israel News is the mouthpiece for the coming Antichrist. People who haven't been trained, he continued, to see this can't see. Oh, we see it. We see it.
They won't see it even when it is happening in front of our eyes. Oh yeah, we will. I was talking with my friend Teresa who commented that this is exactly what the Jews were doing 2,000 years ago when they were looking for the Messiah and expecting him to check in with them. Yeshua refused to check in with them and get their approval the first time. He won't be seeking their approval this time either. But the guy they're going to present to the world will have been signed, sealed, and delivered by the Sanhedrin Cabal rabbis. Look at this as product labeling, and that this guy is not the genuine article, but a knockoff. Winston noted that the paradigm for this ability to see the redemption was implicit in the story of the exodus from Egypt. Moses was walking around for 79 years and when he revealed himself so many people, Jews and Egyptians, were surprised. Oh, there were more than Jews in Egypt. You know, the tribes of Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Dan, Gad, Naphtali, Zebulun, Issachar, Asher, Joseph, and Benjamin were also there. In fact, the tribe of Judah was not called Jews at that time. All twelve tribes were simply called Hebrews. Winston noted that many people cannot see the beginnings of the Messiah as they are actually appearing because they have been taught that redemption has never happened. The modern state of Israel is the second time the Jews have come back to Israel, Rabbi Winston noted. There have already been two Jewish temples in Jerusalem, he said. People who are not educated or living in a Messiah context don't relate to this, so they can't see it as a possibility even while it is happening. Well, neither temple was ever Jewish, nor intended to be under Jewish control at all. Sin ushered in, the sin of Solomon ushered in, that little piece of usurpation. The temple belonged to the Hebrews, the Israelites. Rabbi Winston applied this concept to modern history. The Holocaust never happened until it did, Rabbi Winston said, so the Jews were surprised by it even though it was building up for years. Today, people learn about the Holocaust as if it could never happen again, so even after the synagogue shooting in Pittsburgh and the election of openly anti-Semitic politicians, they insist it cannot happen again. God can be speaking right at you, saying the Messiah is right in front of you, but if you refuse to hear, you won't, Winston explained. I add this observation, that if you are in tune with the Jewish Messiah, then you are expecting the prophesied Antichrist. Rabbi Fish emphasized that prophetic predictions could materialize while going unnoticed. Eight days ago, Rabbi Fish predicted that the blood moon lunar eclipse that passed over the continental U.S. on Sunday would be a significant omen, even more so because it coincided with the Jewish holiday of Tu B'Shabbat.
In fact, an unprecedented daylight airstrike by the Israeli Air Force against Iranian military targets in southern Syria on Sunday led to an intensification of the conflict. An Iranian general declared that his forces were prepared to destroy Israel and the Israeli intelligence minister referred to the situation as an open confrontation with Iran. You know, this airstrike fits with the Jewish paradigm that the Jews will not suffer in the upcoming conflict, but the other nations will, including the U.S. And it appears that the Jews believe they will have a hand in inflicting suffering on the nations of the Middle East. What a surprise they will get because they are too blind to see Daniel 11:40 to 45, which predicts the king of the north, Iran and its coalition, will defeat Israel. It is true that Rabbi Knievsky has been saying the Mashiach is imminent for a few years, but that is not really very long when we are speaking about the Messiah, Rabbi Fish said, and every time Rabbi Knievsky speaks in different terms describing a different aspect of the process, he added, the Messiah is already active in the world, but not everyone is willing to see this fish said well rather let me quote from the new testament which the jews reject first john chapter 2 verse 18 says little children it is the last time and as you have heard that antichrist shall come even now there are many antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time the jewish antichrist is not new Their rejection of Yeshua has made Judaism the religion of the Antichrist for the last 2,000 years. Some people are unwilling to see this, the article goes on. They're unwilling to see the Jewish Messiah, no matter what proof is presented. If the conflict with Syria develops, it will become clear that the process of the Messiah began on Tu B'Shavat. Rabbi Fish emphasized that the upcoming Israeli elections are the result of a political divide that may prove to be irreconcilable. This could be the end of the Israeli government as we know it, Fish said. The conflict is over the law concerning the draft. The Supreme Court gave them three months to resolve this. After that, no one knows what will happen. The only solution, he says is unity not the appearance of unity for political purposes but a sincere and deep unity of the Jewish people the last time we stood together as a nation was in the days of the temple if this political crisis or the military crisis brings us together the result could be the Messiah well you know let's talk about those Jews that don't want to uphold their duty to protect the land of Israel. There are Edomites among the Judahites. You've heard me say this many times. Who is it that does not want to protect the land of Israel? 
the Edomites, those descendants of Edom whose ancestors were forcibly converted to Judaism in 150 BC by John Hyrcanus, or the Judahites. Well, of course, the Edomites, they refused to lift a finger to help the Judahites. They want the Iranian Edomites to win this coming conflict because they want an Edomite to rule the earth, whether he be called a Jew or a Muslim. In fact, the Edomite Jews are at the forefront of this messianic push. Why do I say this? How have I connected their lack of interest in the land of Israel with their fervor for the Jewish Messiah? Heredes, the ultra-Orthodox of which Rabbi Kavisky is one, believe the Messiah must come before the land of Israel will be a valid nation and one worth defending. The Messiah they plan to bring is their version of the Messiah and it comes straight out of Edom. You did know that there are Edomites among the people of the house of Judah, right? Rabbi Knievsky's statement was also discussed by Rabbi Matityahu Glazerson, an expert in Torah codes, in a recent video. Using a Torah program that searches for equidistant letter sequences in the Bible, Rabbi Glazerson did a search for relevant expressions concerning Knievsky's announcement. He noted that the term, the Messiah will come, appears once in Leviticus 23, adjacent to the letters, which are the letters signifying the current Hebrew year 5779. The rabbi also noted that included in the table was the word from Purim. The holiday of Purim will fall on March 21st this year, three and a half weeks before the Israeli elections. Also included in the table is the word repentance and belief. Teshuvah and belief are what brings the Messiah, Rabbi Glazerson said. Even in the times that we are suited for the Messiah to come, without Teshuvah or repentance, there can be no Messiah, and faith is what leads to Israel being redeemed. Unfortunately for the poor blind Jews, their Jewish Messiah cannot forgive their sins against Yahweh their father. Only Yeshua, who is Yahweh in the flesh, can do that. So it looks like their repentance to the Antichrist will not only not work, but will further infuriate Yahweh, their father, and whose name they profane. By the way, there has been a recent upsurge among the Jews to visit King Solomon's pools. Of course, they are becoming more interested in King Solomon. The Sanhedrin cabal is pushing the idea of Solomon's messianic end-time heir arriving soon. A friend did a little research and discovered something very interesting. The next blood moon will happen on March 3, 2026, seven years from now. After that, 
no blood moons will appear for another 507 years. Hmm. Jacob's sorrows, three and a half years. Great tribulation, three and a half years. Hey, three and a half and three and a half equals seven. The moon will pass west to east through the earth's shadow in 2026. Is the west to east direction a clue about the ingathering of the house of Israel from the western nations to Yeshua's kingdom of Israel? All that said, let's take a look at how the war of the Antichrists is doing. The war between Daniel's end time kings of the north and south just heated up. Or should I say the war between the coming king of the north's antichrist candidate and the king of the south's or Israel's antichrist candidate just heated up. An Iranian missile was fired at the Golan Heights this week, cranking up tensions between the two regional enemies with the possibility of more fighting ahead. The missile was fired from an era, area rather near Damascus, according to IDF spokesman Lieutenant Colonel Jonathan Conricus, which is pro- approximately 50 kilometers from the Golan Heights. Russia had assured Israel that no Iranian forces would be this close to Israel, according to Conricus. Israel Unwired commented on the situation in its email, saying, Iran never learns. Israel will not tolerate Iranian aggression on Syrian soil. Israel means business. In response to Iranian rocket launches from Syrian soil the past few days, Israel launched a number of attacks destroying Syrian and Iranian targets and killing 21 Iranian and Syrian soldiers. Israel attacked Iranian military targets belonging to their elite unit called Quds Force in Syria. They targeted weapons storage sites, primarily one major site at Damascus International Airport, as well as an Iranian intelligence site and an Iranian training camp. First, Israel's efforts to determine what Syria's foreign policy should be for its own nation by upticking war with the Iranians who have permission by Syria to be there will prove quite disastrous. Now, I agree that Israel is in danger from Iran. The U.S. has abandoned Israel and its other southern coalition Sunni allies. Israel is nervous desperate and at this point there is nothing Israel can do either by stepping away from war or escalating it because Yahweh is now in full punishment mode against his people he is beginning the house of Jacob's cleanup by starting with the house of Judah and it's because they passed their 70 year opportunity to cooperate with the recognition and in gathering of the 12 tribes instead last year during their jubilee they legislated before the whole world and Yahweh that Israel is for the four tribes of the house of Judah only what bravado what an arrogance requiring a comeuppance now from Iran when the two bears that I have been telling you about from scripture are ready to strike 
they will do much damage to Israel and the U.S. Don't Israeli leaders read the Bible? Don't they read Isaiah, Jeremiah, and especially Daniel? The rabbis of the Sanhedrin are so focused on gathering the nations under Judaism that they are missing their coming destruction, which must come before the nations come to Yahweh's house of prayer. Daniel 11.40 says, And at the time of the end, that's now, shall the king of the south, that's the southern Middle East coalition, push at him. king of the north, Iran, shall come against him like a whirlwind, with chariots and with horsemen and with many ships from Russia, and he shall enter into the countries of the southern coalition, Israel, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Libya, Ethiopia, and shall overflow and pass over as he continues on his war path around the world. Today, both Russia and Iran are biblically represented by a bear. The bear in the book of Daniel represents the Persian Empire. As a people group, the Persian Empire is Russia and Iran together. The Russian and Iranian populations are the Persians, the ancient Persians, hiding under two different names. And those two bears, Russia and Iran, appear prophetically in the account of Elijah and Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 2. Please click the above link to learn why the prophecy and why the Russians and Iranians are the same people. Stay tuned. I'll be right back after these messages. Each year at Passover, you say, Next year in Jerusalem. Well, this is the year. Join Ani Yosef for 13 glorious days in and around Jerusalem, beginning with four days of service to the land, followed by Passover and a week of touring in Jerusalem. For just $825, get lodging and two meals per day while staying in a Jewish community with other Hebrews from all over the world. Go to AniYosef.com for details. That is A-N-I-Y-O-S-E-F dot com. Join us this year in Jerusalem. Thank you for listening to the Jerusalem Report on Beast Watch News. Full news coverage with a Hebraic perspective of the headlines fulfilling Bible prophecy. Remember to financially and prayerfully support Beast Watch News for keeping you up to date. Send your donation to Beast Watch News today. It takes money to operate this ministry, and your help is much appreciated. Welcome back. Now, let's turn our attention to the Russian-Turkish alliance that is strengthening. A Haaretz article titled, In its battle against Iran, Israel is dependent on Russia's plans for Syria, shows a sad fact that undermines Israel's security. 
Officials in Washington, Jerusalem, Damascus, and Tehran anxiously awaited the outcome of a meeting scheduled for Wednesday between Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan and his Russian counterpart Vladimir Putin. The intensive talks about U.S. President Donald Trump and his aides conducted this week with Erdogan and Ankara's roadmap for resolving the question of control of the Kurdish areas in Syria will be the focus of the talks in Russia. But the latest skirmishes between Israel and Iranian forces and their missile exchange are also expected to be on the two leaders' busy agenda. Russia has recently benefited from a relatively free hand toward the Iranian forces operating in Syria. Trump gives his backing to Israel's military activity as part of his joint strategy with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to minimize the Iranian presence in Syria. And even Russia responded rather meekly to the latest strikes. But The amount of leeway that Israel can expect will depend not only on the upturn in Jerusalem's relationship with Moscow, but on Russia's success in advancing its diplomatic program. The result of Erdogan's meeting was that Putin told Erdogan, Turkey has failed to clear up Idlib. That breaks a key element of the September deal where Mr. Erdogan agreed that radical extremists would not be allowed to enter a 15 to 20 kilometer deep buffer zone separating the rebels from pro-regime and Syrian army troops. However, speaking at a joint news conference with Russian President Vladimir Putin, Erdogan said that cooperation between the two countries continues to strengthen. Indeed, this Wall Street Journal headline really tells it all. The new Iron Curtain. Russian missile defense challenges U.S. air power. Pay attention to this one, folks. It's important. North from Syria, along the borders of Eastern Europe and rounding the Arctic Circle to the east, Russia has built a ring of air defenses that threaten the reach of the U.S. military, forcing Washington to rethink its place as the world's undisputed air power. Russia's S-400 anti-aircraft missile system, a nettlesome and potentially deadly aerial shield, is changing the calculus of the U.S. and its allies in potential hotspots, beginning with its deployment in Syria. Radar employed by the S-400, which Russians claim can detect the latest stealth aircraft, casts a net around western Syria that stretches from Turkey to the Mediterranean Sea to Israel. We have to understand that the period of U.S. absolute dominance of the air is over, said Elbridge Colby, Colby, rather the director of the defense program at the Center for a New American Security, which is a nonpartisan defense think tank. The Pentagon acknowledged that S-400 batteries in Syria have forced adjustments to coalition air operations but it contended the U.S. in general still maintains freedom of movement in the air. We can continue to operate where we need to be, a U.S. defense official said. Well, yeah, 
The Pentagon has to say that. To admit weakness would be to scare the pants off of Americans. The White House revamped its national security strategy in late 2017 to account for the new challenge. Russia is fielding military capabilities designed to deny America access in times of crisis and to contest our ability to operate freely, the report said. They are contesting our geopolitical advantages. A bipartisan commission established by Congress to evaluate President Trump's defense strategy echoed those fears in a paper released last November. Russia, the commission concluded, was seeking regional hegemony and the means to project power globally. The commission said Russia's actions were diminishing U.S. military advantages and threatening vital U.S. interests. The Kremlin has long opposed what it calls a U.S.-led world order, through its increasingly aggressive foreign policy, Russia seeks a foothold in a world that would be divided into spheres of influence controlled by Moscow, Washington, and Beijing. The Kremlin's opposition to the U.S.-led world order is better stated that Russia leads the Eastern world order as the, and is in opposition to the Western world order. As Russia fills orders for the S-400 sold to other countries, the expanding S-400 footprint creates barriers that threaten decades of unchallenged U.S. air superiority in the Middle East, the Arctic, and parts of Asia. By selling the S-400 to other countries, Russia spreads the cost of limiting U.S. forces. Russia doesn't want military superiority, but it has ended the superiority of the West or the U.S., said Sergei Karaganov, a foreign policy advisor to Mr. Putin. Now the West can no longer use force indiscriminately, he said. Russia's preoccupation with defense is a product of its history, spanning past invasions by Napoleon Bonaparte's army in the War of 1812 to Nazi troops during World War II. The Russian military is configured very differently from expeditionary powers like the United States, said Michael Kaufman, a research scientist at CNA, a nonprofit research group in Arlington, Virginia. It's not meant to mirror powers like the United States. It is meant to counter them. The S-400 hasn't been tested in battle, but on paper it outperforms the comparable U.S.-made Patriot system. Sales to China and India, along with prospective deals with Turkey and Saudi Arabia, have raised alarms in the West. Being outnumbered by untested or even not that good weaponry will still give Russia a win against the U.S. And who do you think the, that Russians are selling their weapons to anyway? You got it. The nations that are tired of the U.S. running the global show. So here's the reality.
no matter the outcome of this meeting between Erdogan and Putin, Russia is not interested in Israel's security, nor in giving Israel much latitude. And Russia is interested in Russia and Iran's security and Israel becoming a vassal to Russia and Iran. Russia wants an alliance with Israel. He wants to take Israel away from its Western alliance so that Russia and Iran will be in control of Israel's oil and gas along with the other Northern Middle East's reserves. And be sure that you understand that Russia and Iran have different agendas for Israel and the U.S. Russia wants economic hegemony in the Middle East to control the world's global economy using oil and gas. Iran wants caliphate control first over the Sunni southern Middle East and second to destroy Israel. Russia and Iran's interests overlap. If Israel were to enter into any kind of treaty with Russia, Israel would still be destroyed. Russia does not keep treaties and would find a reason to let Iran attack Israel. Thus, Israel will be defeated no matter what. The bottom line is, Israel and the West face two reawakened empires, two bears that have joined forces. The Iranian bear will conquer the Middle East and subjugate Sunni Islam under a new Shiite Iranian-controlled caliphate, while the Jewish rabbis are too busy trying to build the Antichrist's empire. Now, let's go back to something that was said in that Israel Unwired article from the beginning of this broadcast. Let's take a look at one particular statement. It says, Israel has repeatedly told the world that it will not tolerate any Iranian presence in Syria. Well, soon... Iran will show Israel what will be tolerated, while Russia will give the same message to the United States. And that's not all. This article shares some interesting information about Iran's intent when it reveals that Al-Quds is the Arabic word for Jerusalem and then asks, Why would Iran have a military unit named Jerusalem? Even more damning is that Al-Quds is really short for the Arabic phrase Beit al-Makdesh, which means the house of the temple, referring to the Jewish temple that stood in Jerusalem. So, Iran, which claims that the Jews have no right to Israel or Jerusalem and must be destroyed, has an elite military unit named after the Jewish temple that once stood in Jerusalem. The Jews see, yet are blind enough to think they can, all by them mighty selves, kick Iran out of Syria without Iran's retaliation. They are also blind if they think Iran will let any altar or Jewish temple stand for long on Temple Mount. 
the Edomite Iranians have lots of territories to conquer to fulfill Esau's dream of ruling the world as the firstborn of Isaac. First, the Edomite Iranians must take Jerusalem because that is Jacob's God-given territory. They must also take Mecca and Medina because these two cities are the epicenter of Islam and they are controlled by the Sunni Saudis. And third, the Edomites must control Babylon whose headquarters are spread out between Washington DC, London, New York and The Hague. Why does end times Esau have to conquer end times Babylon? Well, it is because Esau failed to take Nimrod's throne when he beheaded Nimrod. When Iran moves through the king of the south's territory, he will be on his way to conquer Babylon. But this thrust will be headed by Russia because Russia is the only superpower that can rival and beat the West. Look at Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's warning to Iran on Monday. He said that Israel would continue to strike at Revolutionary Guard's positions in Syria and that the IDF was prepared to retaliate for any Iranian escalations. We are acting against Iran and against the Syrian forces that abet the Iranian aggression. Whoever tries to hurt us, we hurt them. Whoever threatens to destroy us will bear the full responsibility. Israel said Tuesday that it has successfully tested the country's advanced missile defense system capable of defending against long-range ballistic missile threats. The new Arrow 3 system intercepts missiles outside the atmosphere. Arrow 3 is part of a multi-layered defense system that includes Iron Dome, David's Sling, and the Arrow systems. The multi-layered system has been developed to defend against short and mid-range rockets fired from Gaza and Lebanon, but it is capable of defense against Iran's long-range missiles as well. What was Iran's response to Israel's uptick? Well, aside from its usual cliché responses to destroy Israel, Iran has remained fairly silent this week over Israel's latest attack. That ought to scare you when the enemy gets quiet, you know. However, the Syrians are another matter. Israel's energy minister, Yuval Steinitz, had to go and start picking on Bashar al-Assad. It isn't enough that the Israelis want to take on Iran. They are literally set to go after the entire 4 plus 1 coalition, it seems. Steinitz said Bashar al-Assad and his regime will be in danger if he allows Iranian forces to attack Israel from Syria. In return, Syria's ambassador to the United Nations, Bashar Jafari, threatened to retaliate against Ben-Gurion Airport. Folks, the situation in the northern Middle East is in very rapid decline. The rollout of the Jewish Messiah will precipitate a messianic response from the Shiites. In fact, 
the rollout of the Jewish Messiah may be the last straw for Iran. Or perhaps another scenario will play out. It could be that the Jewish Messiah will fulfill the strengthening of the peace covenants that Israel has with its Sunni allies causing the world to endure a three and a half year period before the wars break loose. Some are looking for the great tribulation to start right after the Jews reveal their Messiah. Others believe it won't start right away. Leading into the next section of this report, let me say that if the Great Tribulation does not start right away, the Jews will have another three and a half years to push the world into Judaism and Noahidism. Now let me share some telling excerpts from this Breaking Israel news article, Returning to Prophecy, Christianity's Hebraic Roots and Defending Israel and its Jews. It is written about Lori Cardoza Moore, founder of Proclaim Justice to the Nations, PJTN. The central theme of Breaking Israel News discussion with Cardoza Moore was that there needs to be a return to basics, a return to the Bible, a return to a full acknowledgement of Christianity's Jewish roots. Let's be clear. Christianity has Hebrew roots, not Jewish. Yes, Yeshua was a Jew. But his mission is to restore the Hebrew tribes, all of them. Only four of these tribes are listed as House of Judah, or what we call Jewish today. Replacement theology, she said, is rearing its head with ugly lies. God did not replace Israel with Christians. Well, let's be clear on this point, too. God did not replace all twelve tribes of Israel with just the four tribes of the house of Judah, either. The Jews had their own replacement theology long before Christianity came around. The Bible is for and about Israel, she says. According to the divine plan, God said that he would scatter the Jews but he promised to also return them. Well, actually, Lori Cardoza Moore, God's divine plan was to scatter all 12 tribes. He did that in two phases. First, with the house of Israel being scattered into Assyria and the house of Judah scattered into Babylon. And yes, he promised to bring all 12 tribes back, not just those who call themselves Jews. And she continues, Christians have to study the Bible from the Hebraic, not Greco-Roman mindset or viewpoint, Cordoza Moore declared. That's absolutely right, and Jews would do well to study the Bible from that perspective as well. They are still blind to their brethren. They have had 70 years to start working with God instead of against him to prepare and make possible the return of the house of Israel. They have failed because Judaism is as dark and evil as Christianity. Now here's an article by Dr. Rivka Lambert Adler, Should Christians Keep the Sabbath? 
This article addresses the recent backlash against recent articles about Noahides and the Sabbath. I addressed this in great detail and showed from Judaism's own writing that they believe Noahides and Gentiles deserve death for keeping the Sabbath. Unfortunately, Adler did not address Judaism's hatred of us keeping the Sabbath, but proceeded to explain why it is important for the Jews, and gave some information on how they keep it. Sorry, Rivka, your petticoat is showing. Dr. Rivka Lambert Adler tries to work her own spin in this article, which in reality addresses what I wrote about those other articles. That's it for this Beast Watch News update. This is Kimberly Rogers Brown signing off. Click over to BeastWatchNews.com for full comprehensive coverage of all the headlines fulfilling end of days Bible prophecy.